What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath. Hope you are all having a really strong close to the week. I am so excited to share this conversation with you. We are talking about 2013 Select Golds, and the man to do it is Austin Carlson at Carlson Cards. Are you a fan of his podcast? He's been on a hiatus a little bit, taking care of his little one, but I think he said he's coming back here soon. This conversation was a lot of fun. We talked about the set. We talked about the look and feel, um, but I think digging into the player collecting versus uh, set collecting and the intersection of those two things is one of my biggest takeaways from this conversation. We kind of went Broadway. This is a fun one. I think you're going to really dig it. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons. Most importantly, tell a damn friend you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. All right. We are diving into the shiny stuff after a little bit of time away talking patches. I've been following today's guests, uh, set build and i figured hey let's talk about this set let's talk about this parallel but without further ado austin austin carlson back on the program welcome how are you good brad thanks for having me this is round three i'm here now we got a baby it's been a interesting time of life but it's been great still enjoying cards when i can and i have to give huge props to you because i've stepped away from my podcast for a little bit you still ran just full on with the babies and it's super impressive i I am be honest, I couldn't do it. I don't think a lot of people could do it, but you've done it successfully. So big props and thanks for having me on. We might have a guest appearance because uh, as I record this, uh, my uh, three month and change old daughter is here with my mother-in-law. So uh, she's been very, um, when the, the bottle is not uh, warmed up, she's been very vocal. So we might have a guest appearance. And I think you're 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 in an empty house right now. Is it? It's quiet over there at Carlson Cards HQ. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's correct. My wife is out at a mall, actually returning some Christmas gifts. Which I always say, like, well, why are you? Well, she bought them for other people, and she's returning them for the, them. I'm like, how? Why are you doing this? Let them return it. But anyways, uh, but so I offered to hold, keep the baby here. I was like, I could just hold her, you know, quiet. And she's like, there's no way that's gonna work. So yeah, empty house, which is always good. I just have the dog, and it's finally nice out. Get him outside, so it'll be a good day. A plus for effort. It's that's what counts. And I, I know we chatted a little bit about this before we hit record, but I sometimes talking about this kind of stuff is a therapy before we get into select gold stuff. Uh, Packers just close out their season. Probably not the way you wanted to, but I don't think anyone thought they'd be in that position. So uh, I know the dust has settled a little bit as we record this, but how are you feeling about uh, the season, the game? Like, what are your thoughts? Uh, help, the Packers fans who are still going through something right now, uh, help them make, make them feel a little better. For sure. I'll summarize. So beginning of the year was phenomenal. Looked like we have quarterback future. We hit some rough patches. I was at a Vikings game. Uh, we were, we lost and went two and five is the worst Packer game I've ever seen live. hundred percent. Like everyone is dropping balls. The, we listen to the post game radio on the way home. Everyone is just complaining, complaining, complaining. And then now I was like, okay, maybe we're going to cheer for losses. I've never done this before, but I don't know what else to do. Um, then we went on a bit of a run, obviously, and then we lost some more. And then we started like absolutely going nuts. Jordan Love looked well, was performing as by most categories, the best quarterback in football for a few weeks, at least seven, eight weeks towards the end there. Um, at most categories, top three that I could find. So it's nice to know. I will say the overall takeaway, we have the quarterback future. That was my goal for this year. I didn't 
it'd be really tough leaving this year with a mediocre season. And then you're not sure on the quarterback, but I don't think that's our issue. Um, even against the Niners here. I mean, I could count on two hands, probably full two hands, the mistakes that were made that could have probably won the game. Um, and I think we saw they were vulnerable, which was hard to get over because if we got blown out, at least I could just say we weren't good enough, but we for sure were. And it would have been just such a great story to play the lions at Ford field. Even if we lose, like you still have a cheer, you know, both ways I'd have a team to cheer for, but um, that's the way it goes. So just looking forward to next year. And honestly, this just tells me I'm very spoiled as a Packers fan that I'm sitting here having anything to complain about. So I think to be honest with you, as I hear you talk about that in your team, had more of a successful season than mine making the playoffs. But I think it really comes down to two things. Number one, like having confidence and eh, maybe three things being okay with your GM and the way they approach it, the building team building, having confidence in your coach, and then having a quarterback who is your quarterback of the future. And like, if you have those things in place, no matter how the season ends, it gives you hope going into next season. And if you don't have one, it maybe have two or three, or I feel like if you're missing one of those, especially the quarterback, like that's the struggle bus because as a Colts fan, we were on the carousel for a while. And although our young quarterback got hurt in the time he played, it was like, man, this guy I think is going to be our guy of the future. So, and you're reminding me of, you're reminding me to put him on my fantasy uh, watch list too. I know he did really well. A lot of rushing touchdowns. I just thought of that as you're saying that. Yeah. I'm just trying to hype up. I, I'm, uh, I'm still licking my wounds after our loss to the Texans to cut. That would cost us the uh, uh, cost us the playoff uh, game. But yeah, we, it's crazy. We're NFL fans and like 95, 97% of the people listening, like you end your season feeling pissed off. So you gotta, you gotta hold some hope and, and hold on to something going into next season. Totally. All right. So let's talk about select goals. Wanted to talk with you about this because of kind of the project that you are building right now and the project we're going to talk about the cards itself, the look. Um, but I want to start with just like what you're trying to accomplish because it's not easy. And I want to know, so tell people like, what are you up to with this 2013 select gold set? And like, what was your inspiration behind starting it? Sure. I'll kind of give a pretty high. So I know I was on here last time, maybe like a year ago, I guess at this point, something like that. I kind of gave an overview of my like hobby journey. So I'll do that really briefly just to show where it's updated. So last time we talked, um, you know, I, I came into the hobby, whatever, three, four years ago, absolutely no clue, had no prior knowledge, kind of was losing money on everything, buying base cards, being kind of a dummy, like most people who were just watching what other people were buying. Um, then I got into football cards, found out they exist which is a big deal. If you didn't know football cards are out there, you can buy them too. And so I kind of focused on Peyton Manning, you know, last time we obviously discussed that the two times I was on here. And then I started adding Tom Brady a little bit. And I was seeing there was a lot of fun to the fact that you could pair up players in the same set. Like, I just love the idea of, uh, you know, be able to share my cards on Instagram. You have a Brady and a Manning in the same parallel, same rare card. And I, I just always thought that was really cool. And then the last time we talked, I would say I had just moved past that. I was in this kind of chaos stage where I was adding all these different players. It was so exciting. I could have a Kelvin Johnson card, uh, you know, um, just all these different players I like growing up. And then I would say in the last since we've spoke, I've kind of tried to put order back in the PC. So we've added a bunch of cards, different players, different, um, you know, things. 
I figured out in this point what sets I really like. So I, I've got a really good idea of what sticks when I you know buy a card. What cards are the ones that I may be looking at months later and saying this doesn't really fit. You know, it's kind of a one-off that sort of thing. Um, so what I wanted to do once I kinda, can I ask a question on that? Yeah, real please quick? do. I feel like that this is a topic that some people don't understand, and you've kind of teased it. But it's this idea that we buy cards because the price is right. We like the player. Um, it's something we haven't seen before and we want to get it in hand. And then when we get it, maybe it doesn't live up to those expectations. Or maybe we didn't have any expectations. We were just needing to fill the void. And then we sell the card. So like, there's this movement happening. I feel like some people struggle with this idea of like when you buy a card, it should be something that stays in your collection for as long as possible. But that's just not how it works. So how have you... Not to like completely side tangent, we'll get back to it, but like how have you navigated that? Because that's something that is constantly happening with me and the way I collect. Yeah, this is a really, really good question. It's no good that you asked this. So I think Pack Nicholson um, in his uh, newsletter he put out for a while there was, um, he put something about like player or card equity or like player equity in your PC. So if you're saving up money buying cards, um, it's not like you're just throwing the money away, right? You have some store of value in the player you're looking at, whatever. Um, so I think what I've kind of realized over time is that if I want to get where I want to get with my collection, there's, you know, certain parallels or sets or cards for players that I want to get, but I'm not just going to go out outright and buy a $10,000 card. Like I, I have a, I have a good job. My wife just left hers. We're taking care of a baby, right? We live pretty modestly. So to be able to just throw money around, that's not really in my game plan here. Um, so what I've realized and for anyone listening, I would highly recommend this is as long as you're buying cards of you know, sets that are pretty scarce that you really like. And then um, if that card does come up that you maybe can't just outright go and buy, it's been really nice to know that, okay, but I do have these like eight, I kind of set aside that I was thinking, eh, I could probably let these go. And then something pops up and you can go full steam because you already thought it through, you know, kind of, um, you know, what's able to get over there. And the flip side, there are cards you buy that, you know, I bought two years, three years ago now that I have not sold, have not even thought about it, right? That's just kind of the balance, but I think it's naive to think that you can't ever sell a card you buy and stick in your collection box because like, again, for me, and I'm sure a lot of you listening, I don't know how I can go and afford these cards unless I am using the cards I have to go get them. So I think that kind of summarizes my strategy here with that. Yes, it's perfect. And I just, sometimes it's like collector therapy talking to these things. So whenever that topic types of topic comes up, I always like to hear the perspective and you can jump over back to this 13 gold love journey or gold sure. journey select journey. And maybe I'll take you off track, but I'll try to keep you back on. No, for sure. So where I was um, getting at and just to wrap that part up is now I've really focused on, there's like three more main players I want to focus on is Peyton Manning, Randy Moss, Charles Woodson, that 98 draft class. So during this time, right, I mentioned Tom Brady. Um, those have kind of, I've let a few go to get other cards, let a few go to get other cards. It's not that I don't like the player. It's just the price point. We all run into that. You start to see, well, if I have one Brady, I could go buy probably 10 or 12 of this other player. I'm like, maybe I'll just start doing that. Um, so this is just been kind of changing. And then I'll say it this way. Like I now have a pretty good idea of player collecting that I like it. And again, like I said, I had no prior knowledge coming into the hobby. So I've heard about set collecting, have never, ever done it. But I knew if I'm going to be here the long haul, I want to try everything out and there's always something to learn. Um, so I started to keep an eye out for sets. And this one honestly just kind of fell into my lap a little bit. Um, I was on eBay one morning and I saw a Chris Johnson PSA 10 pop up. I have no clue the story. It looks like this guy had just bought it at an auction for 150 like a month ago. 
listed it for like a hundred bucks. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never owned one of these. This is a great player that I remember fondly. I'm just going to grab this because worst case, I, you know, again, like I've just talked about, you could always trade it later on or whatever you end up wanting to do. But at least I get to see a parallel that I am really interested in owning and seeing what I think about it. And then a few days later, Jimmy Graham popped up and I'm like, oh, I mean, another player I really like from fantasy football, very nostalgic, um, you know, player for me, picked up that one. And then kind of what stumbled into there was, again, I had this idea of I want to do set collecting, but I didn't know how to lead with it. So I now realized that there was a set out there that had all the players that I watched the most, like 2011 to 2015 or probably when I watched the most football, every team I'd watch every game, you know, basically. Um, And so that's kind of how I stumbled in. And the inspiration, again, like I mentioned, was just wanting to try something different where I could learn something I haven't learned yet, which is a set collecting game and kind of how that works. And maybe just briefly, I'll touch on why this set uh, to just add context here. I wanted something that was very difficult, but not impossible. So I didn't want to do one of ones, um, but I wanted something that last years and I fully expect this to be years. I'm sitting here at, you know, 60 out of 150 in the set. So we're not super close, but we've done a lot of damage. Um, so that's kind of the inspiration there besides the fact that it looks great and has good players in it as well. I think that portion about like having the set match a period of time and then there being rarity, like having all these elements line up is a fun, like having that be the catalyst for jumping into a project like that. I've experienced some of those moments in my collecting journey and I want to dig in more to like the process and maybe some things you've learned, but since we're on it, maybe we talk a little bit about the look and the feel of 2013 select I have talked about uh, enjoying the set for it being a first year. I just made a, uh, I've talked about an acquisition of the Peyton Manning that I just picked up, which was my biggest card that I've picked up this year and will be in my collection for a long time. But when you look at these cards, especially the golds, because that's what we're talking about today, like talk a little bit about why you like the look and the feel, the photography, the aesthetics, what it, what makes these cards so special for you? So what I really like about this one versus, you know, your 2012 prism that I think you can compare this to quite easily, right? They're both a first year of a key product for football. Um, 2013 for select was the first year in basketball. I know it was 2012, but for football here is 2013. And I really like this because it's a major focus on the player. Uh, the backdrop and border is, let's say it's not like a, there's not like your football field in the background. It's just like a, a blue color with a very, very, very shiny border. That's what originally attracted me. For instance, I have a scanner that I use to scan my cards, and there's just no way I can get these 2012s to look like a 2013. If you hold them up, you put them in a scanner, there's the 13s I think look a lot better, but I'm not saying again that long run the 2012s are ever going to be worth less than the selects. That's in no way, shape, or form is am I expecting that to ever happen. Uh, but I love the look because of just the pure gold. I mean, it's just the brightest, shiniest thing I've seen out of a Panini product in terms of just a pure color. Uh, there's also 2013 Prism, I would say, is um, sneakily very similar. They must have used something different with their golds that year. I know 14 mm. that you own, uh, Peyton of, is very, very, very gold as well. But for some reason, 2012, again, not to trash it, I own a Peyton. I have a bunch from that set, but the 2012 Prism is a little more of a dull gold. So that's why this select to me is just aesthetically, I think it's the best looking Panini that I, I, I personally think for myself. And that's obviously why I collect it. I had never thought about the shine on the 13 Prism gold. And comparing to the shine on the 13 select and no one, when people are thinking about Panini football cards and the best years here, 2012 first year, you hear 2014 a lot. You don't hear 2013 a lot, but 
I'm telling you, and if you're out there listening, you can relate and you collect this stuff. There is something that hits different about that 13 uh, shine. Maybe something that I would love your reaction to this, but these cards, when I look at them, to me, like, I don't know why, but I like, in a weird way, like, when I think about art, I think about, like, the Mona Lisa. Obviously, it's an iconic piece. But, like, the way I look at these cards, to me, they look like art because they look like they're in a frame and the players are popping out doing they're dropping back for a pass, catching a pass, getting ready to run the ball. So to me, like, as opposed to almost any other set within in the Panini era, like this looks like a piece of art to me, especially when you've got those gold shiny borders. Thoughts, reaction? Yeah, I don't think I ever occurred to me, but now that you say that, I I agree. And I think that's why maybe what I was describing, I it leads to the same, it leads to the same thought that you just laid out, where I think that's why. I do like it so much is because it does look like I would say like a framed piece of art of the player and very focused on the player. That's the key thing. Like I said, because my draw to this was the fact that the wor- even the worst player in the set, I know who they are. Lamar Miller. I'm just making a random name, right? Like Jonathan Stewart on the Panthers. I'm just saying these names. Like I still have a little bit of nostalgia for even the worst player in the set that tells me it's probably a pretty good set that for me to personally be looking at and collecting. Uh, do, well, I mean, now you just say the name Jonathan Stewart and there were a lot of people drafting Jonathan Stewart in the second round because he got in the end zone. So that piece, there's some nostalgia there. I have been in the room with you when you've been like chasing these things when we were at the national and I've watched your collection grow. You posted on Instagram and I actually have your January 15th post that I'm looking at. What are like going on this journey? And communicating wordly about like, this is what you're doing. Like, what are some of maybe the biggest surprises that you've had just as you build this set out? I think one thing is the importance of sharing what you're collecting. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess how to, I'll put it this way. Like when you first start something like this, your immediate thought is I better not tell anybody because I don't want anyone else to bid on these. Right. And that's what I thought of because it's just like, why would I say anything? Um, but then I realized very quickly, okay, none are really going to auction. I'm just kind of, there's none available on eBay. I grabbed a few that were at somewhat of a reasonable price. Um, So I found a big surprise has been just sharing what you're looking for. It's amazing how many awesome people are out there who they might own a card or they have seen one or whatever, and they feel some sort of allure or excitement to watch that card go into a full set, right? So you're, I've seen some interactions and really pleasantly, again, been surprised by very kind people who say, yeah, I was going to auction this or whatever, but you know, if you want it, here's a shot at it or whatever, right? That sort of thing. And they directly reach out. And I'm very appreciative of that. And I wouldn't say I've noticed again by sharing that you're, I'm sure there's more people, you know, maybe now bidding on a certain set or something because you share it. But I found that's a kind of a minimalist mindset or a, what do you call it? Like a, a negative mindset. If you're just assuming people are out to get you versus out to help you, I think this hobby is a lot better than you think. Um, and there are people who want to help. I would say another thing that, um, when you take an endeavor like this, uh, you really have to think through how you're going to fund it. Like I just talked about with, um, you know, letting stuff go and, you know, not every card's a forever card. It surprised me how quick these hit. Like there'll be nothing for a month and then I'll have six big ones in two weeks. And it's like, all right, look at my collection now of some of these other players. Do I prioritize the player collecting or the set collecting? Like you really, I think, have to think that through before jumping on an endeavor of this size, because again, the set is, 150 players. It's not like an insert set of 10 or something. This is a lot of players 
And I know if I miss one, I might not see it again for a you know a few years or something. Really, there's a chance of that. And I'd say like a final surprise that is interesting to me is the fact that I guess this is, probably makes sense, but I think with set collecting more than anything, if if you're getting a card in, to me, it really didn't matter if it was a twenty dollar or like a five hundred dollar card. Like to me, the excitement's the same because I'm still going and scratching off my printed list, which I would highly recommend. I printed one off; it's much better. And again, I guess if it's a player, I really care about those more expensive. Obviously, I, I I will like that card more, but you still get the same excitement of checking one off and knowing you're getting closer and closer and closer. And then you have to look at it that way, because if you just stop and say there's 150 or 300 or whatever set you're looking at, I'm learning quickly that you can't look at the end goal because that'll, you know, you might think, oh, this can be five years. You get really discouraged. But if you just take it one at a time, um, they pile up. I, I've seen that so far. So it's been really enjoyable. But those are probably my surprises here. So I think one of the things that you said that has caused me to stop this, the set build is getting to that moment of truth where, you know, cards pop up and you have this opportunity where it's like, all right, three of these popped up. This is expensive. I need to dig into my player collecting to help fund this. And usually it gets to this point for me where it's like, man, I just, I struggle to justify it or maybe the fun of the build um, isn't there for me anymore. So I just kind of give up and refer back to player collecting. How have you been able to manage that, especially with a project like this, just in terms of making sure that you're satisfying those both of those streams and doing it in a way that you're not going to regret maybe giving up a Manning or a Woodson or a Moss that uh, you really love in the process? I think, I don't know if this directly answers the question, but one mindset thing that I've tried to do with this is understanding that if I miss one, that's okay. Like with so many, I mean, it's a shotgun approach, right? There's so many to go after. So if there's one that pops up, but is outside of my price point, or for instance, this is a big theme I've had is if it pops up, but it's a PSA 10 that's going to auction. I, I've held off on a few, actually quite a few, because I'd rather just get a nine or an eight or an ungraded for a third or fourth of the price. So that's something that's helped me. But um, in terms of like you, what you said, when you start to look at what I rather be player collecting or getting discouraged with that versus this. Um, I think the biggest thing for me has just been keeping in mind that I'm now like, I guess the positivity of getting to add cards of players that I never would have collected. Like again, Jimmy Graham, I don't think I ever would have added a card of his until I started doing this set. And I've kind of learned that my passion for, let's say, collecting different players actually gets amplified by doing a set, not, not, you know, minimize. It's just maybe those key couple like guys I mentioned, maybe you have to wean back a bit or, you know, understand that you're not going to go after some huge card for that, you're probably going to end up just splitting it amongst 10 cards for your set. But um, I've enjoyed it. I think to me personally, it's gelled really well with what my interest is in the hobby so far. So when you collect a set like this and you're constantly getting new cards in, and I'm sure you go over to the cards and you know, you look at them and you're evaluating them. Is there anything that like over this period of time and in this process that you have learned about the 2013 select golds or Anything you found interesting that might uh, benefit or people uh, might want to hear just through your experience? Yeah, I think one thing I will say just in general that would probably apply to any sort of set collecting is, again, I mean, keep this in mind. I should say at the beginning, huge beginner here. This is my first try. There's tons of other people who have done this a lot more. But something I've learned is you really, really, really start to understand the condition on a set when you start to mm. analyze a lot of ungraded ones, especially if your interest is into 
is involved with having a full graded set, which I want to do at some point, um, you really start to catch on. Like I, I've noticed this set, if you're getting eights, there's likely a dimple on the back or the corners, the peel, how do you put it? Like the, the gold actually can foil, can peel right off the corners a little bit. So I have a Travis Kelsey that I bought in a BGS slab. And then I was like, oh, I want to put this in PSA because everything else is. I mean, I know I mentioned I'm not doing rookies, but that was one I did want to grab when I had the chance. Um, and there's just that little, like the corner is just peeling back. I'm like, oh man, it did get a nine, right? But now you start to understand when you, let's say, look at these. And, you know, again, I mentioned not buying tens. Um, it's important to make sure you're keeping eye on condition a little bit because I, I don't want to be overpaying massively for an ungraded copy. And then it comes in and it's crap. So now you kind of get a better idea for condition. I think that's one learning lesson I would say with this is when you do a set, you really get to learn the ins and outs um, of a particular set. I would say that's a big thing. Has there going through this process with this set, has it, it changed or evolved the way you think about your collecting in any way? Yeah, I would say um, yeah, there's a few things. So one is I never collected a non-playing years card until I got this <laughs> set. Um, if people don't know this, uh, this set, what particular is really interesting. Um, and I guess some a little more back knowledge. This there's no levels to this, like you know, with modern select, there's no premiere, you know, anything like that. It's just a base single card. It's actually a pretty small set. There's only three to four players per team. Um, but one thing about it is that it has a 50 card subset that's I guess probably not called a subset, but they're all retired players. So, like again, if you check my Instagram, I just posted Ladanian Tomlinson. Would never have collected a card of his before this, more than likely. Um, obviously love the player, but just not a guy I'd ever choose to collect at this point. I haven't thought of it much, but you get to add a card like that and it's non-playing years and you're, you got these weird feelings about that. Sometimes it's, it's been a boundary for me that I want to stay out of the non-playing years. Um, but then, you know, I go and buy a Joe Montana, I go and buy, you know, these different ones. And I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, I can actually see the allure to the set collecting and non-playing years. Now, am I going out of my way now to go buy a Peyton Manning, you know, 2019 prism gold or anything no probably not but i guess what i'm framing this up as is it's okay to stretch your boundaries if you enjoy it i don't think i need to have this like super set non-playing years because at some point i mean you're gonna run out of cards like i know marino collector talked about that on here if he wants to collect dan marino and likes the shiny stuff well you don't really have an option so you kind of um, step out of that so i'd say that's uh that's definitely one thing that has changed and then say one other thing is i you do set collecting like this in a desired set uh, you really start to understand what teams and players are heavily player collected because that's who you're kind of competing with almost when you're bidding on these or whatever, right? Like, um, you know, if you're going to, I would say one learning lesson, right? If anyone's listening, they go take on a new set, especially in the Panini era. Steelers stuff is crazy. I mean, people, Troy Palomalu, my gosh, I did not expect what people pay for some of these players, but you just start to understand that some teams defy logic and then others on the flip side, Nobody has an interest in, which again, that probably very heavily trends with NFL fandom, I would assume, right? Like certain teams that are maybe a newer franchise or you don't think of as having a good fan base, their cards are pretty cheap. And then other players kind of defy logic, like Packers, I very expensive course dealers, um, Seahawks, because again, this is like Legion of Boom era. So, you know, Richard Sherman went out of my league, so I just passed on it, right? But there's certain things you just kind of learn when you do a set like this. Uh, so much good stuff there. I think one of the things I want to, there's a couple things that I want to, riff on one of them is the 2013 and you're you know we're almost 11 we're over a decade from when these cards come out and talking about the veteran or the legends in this set there's an interesting thing with these cards where it's 
when you get 10 years removed past something and you see a card in a set like select 2013 select you start to like i ask myself this question all the time when i see these cards pop up is this a legend or is were they playing in this time and this happened granted like he had been out of the league for four years but just so much time had passed by like there was a psa 10 edron james like a while ago and i i knew that like in my mind he had retired before 2013 but like it's like, that's a really cool card. Like, maybe I should be interested in this. And then you mentioned, like, the Ladanian Tomlinson. And that was when he, when you posted that card, I was like, you know, I know he had played for the Jets and, like, it was later. But, like, it just looked like that could be a playing day card. And I think that's a fun part about this set. So, like, I don't know. Like, do you have that same thing? Like, as you're, do you, like, go look? You're like, was he playing or not when you're buying these cards? Yeah, 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 for sure. And luckily by the numbering, um, you can tell because, again, just this particular set for your knowledge, anything numbered, like card number in the set, 1 through 100 is your base set playing active Mm. players. 101 to 150 are retired. 100%, they're all retired. And, you know, great names in this, like Barry Sanders, like just really great names. And what's interesting about this too, again, I've I, I I'm freely talking about it because I know I've had, you know, luck by sharing this set and that it kind of leads to cards sometimes. Uh, but what's really cool is a lot of these players, it's their first and sometimes only prism gold, which I don't know. Many people realize mm. like 2014 is the first prism year that I, I believe it's 2014 is the first prism year that has retired players. 13 select mm. is the first overall prism gold. The 14 has like, again, if you're looking at this uh, 14 prism, there's like Dan Marino in there. Kurt Warner's retired at that point, I believe. But there's a lot of these players that that's, again, their second or only first or only as well retired. So it's kind of interesting. And I know Panini went back and did it like the last few years. I think we're getting inundated with these retired players now. You're seeing every set has a Joe Montana, has a Peyton Manning, that sort of thing. Kind of a turnoff. But I like the fact that these early ones, you have a huge gap then between if there even is another gold prism. It's like not until 20 like 19 or 2020 I think for instance Barry Sanders again he's in 13 select and then I think 19 no 15 prism or 19 prism one of those two is the first next year so it's just kind of an interesting fact about the set I know there's no hard and fast rules with collecting cards but we all know like the negative that we hear on like post playing day cards like I like my opinion and this is like pretty strong and it's formed over a long period of time when you have legends or post-playing day cards in first year sets like i think about 2012 prism and i think about modest uh card collector danny talking about his charles oakley like that 2012 prism gold charles oakley with the flat top and the old school knicks uniform in that first year set like i don't care what your rules are about post-playing day cards or not like if you're a knicks fan like that's a card you should own so i think that translates to these cards in this set because it's the first year they're beautiful cards and if you have these rules set up like i don't know maybe you should think i don't maybe i'm not i'm not promoting you should think differently because we got someone who's trying to build the set right here and he doesn't probably need the competition but i just think that's something we should factor in when we're trying to look for cards that we find are cool and we shouldn't put up those barriers if they're cards that you know would make your collection better and would make you happy Yeah. And that's a general, I think, uh, part of this conversation too, is everything I'm saying, this applies to any set that you look at. And I think the key when you're like, if you're listening to this and set collecting, wow, that sounds fun. I want to do something. 
I would really look around. I think I, I'm not going to list any, but I, I've, I've seen others that, because I, again, I don't know what I want to do after this, but there's others that have this same, these traits that I'm saying where there's just certain weird things about it that, I, again, you just look at it and think, wow, I might want to you know, collect this set because you just never know if in the future you'll be able to. I mean, just to be frank, right? If other people really get into it or whatever, um, it's just how this kind of happens. So I think, I guess, just throwing this out there again, these tips kind of apply to any set, user creativity, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, that's just overall what I'd share about all of this. Uh, before we move on to the next, one other thing you mentioned that I, th- I think it would be uh, interesting to talk about is this idea of set collectors versus player collectors and the the roads intersect as you go through this. How have you navigated that? Because I know there has been some cards that you have picked up in this process that when you probably bought them, you think about a player collector who would want that card, but maybe doesn't have it in their collection. And so I know like there is this element of like we're community built, we're community driven as collectors, but we're also trying to build our own collections. We all have our different paths. And then everyone's got their own opinions on like what to do, what not to do. But like, how have you navigated that? Because this set's made up of players that that everyone collects. Like there's a player collector for probably everyone in the set. So how how have you navigated that? Yeah, yep. And that and the perfect example again is 2012 Prism here too, right? A lot of that, that set specifically, a lot of those cards are going to be probably your best shiny non-rookie for almost any player in, a, in terms of like a player collector, what they'd put on their Mount Rushmore. So it's been tricky. And I found this as you're starting to, as I'm starting to over the, again, four or five years here, kind of level up the collection, you start to get into these interesting lanes where there's cards that come across that, you know, your five friends all want as well, right? I know in our Manning chat this last week, there was a 2015 Prism Gold that popped up and somebody put something really funny in the chat. They were like, um, are we all just not going to talk about it? And you just knew <laughs> what they were talking about, right? Um, so I think part of this is I found at least just from my experience, it's better to over communicate. So for instance, the lady Danian Tomlinson, I just added, I have a really good friend who I know you're close with as well. Uh, ben Babcock, Brooklyn, very bright. I know he collects him and had an interest in that, that specific card as well. So when I did come across, I was just, before I posted, I was just super direct them and said, Hey, somebody reached out. They had mentioned they wanted to sell this and were glad it was going to the set, whatever. And then I, the way I try to navigate, and I know I was clear with Ben on this is I might have a chance to, you know, see another one of these, who knows if I come across another. And now I just want to be clear to him. I will, I will be hooking you up on the next one, but it's very hard because there's going to be certain situations even too, where, um, just to be frank, I, I know fully know coming up, there's going to be an auction of some, I'm sure a quarterback specifically, just, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, like an Eli Manning, or there's just these different <laughs> players that have really hardcore collectors that I'm probably just going to bow out of some of these auctions. I just don't think I can compete number one. And number two, I, like I said, I just had to be realistic with what I can spend on a lot of these. So if I get an opportunity to find one at a, you know, I don't know, at a card show or whatever, great, I'll, you know, I'll pick it up. But if, if it gets to open auction on some of these cards, I mean, it's just, it's anyone's guess what they go for. And some of the times the player collector uh, has, you know, more of an initiative to really go after it versus somebody who's on a budget trying to complete a set, right? It's just, you have to really value where you're spending your money when you have so many still needed for the set. How important was the first year factor as you were uh, selecting this and going through this process? Was it as important as the look and feel about the same, not as important share just how you think about first year. I feel like in all these conversations, a lot of them are around first year. So I'm always curious to the opinion of 
the collector when it comes to all things first year? Yeah. So for me, it's uh, the look came first. The players came second. It was, it was like, I need one that look, I need the one that has players that I actually care about. Otherwise I'm just going to be buying cards of players. I don't care about that specifically why I don't do rookies, by the way, this set is, this class is very weak. There's <laughs> yes. Travis Kelsey. There is um, Deandre Hopkins, Le'Veon Bell, Keenan Allen. I think that's about it. So I have the Kelsey Le'Veon Bell. The other two I would like to add at some point, but they're still playing and you know, I'll, I'll wait until people kind of forget about them. I think more, more or less. But for me, the first year was kind of the icing on the cake, but not the deal breaker, right? Like you could say 2014 select looks great too, but I'd rather have this one as the first year, obviously. Um, but then I think when you get to, like, let's just say if I had to do Prism or Select, it was kind of, again, if I want to do 13 Prism or 13 Select, that was something I had considered. Mm. Um, I don't know of anyone doing 13 Select, for instance, right? I want to make sure I didn't know of anyone doing the sex. I think it'd be hard for multiple people to do one. And my split there was the fact that the Select was the first year and it was also a smaller set. That was the biggest deal. I think Prism, they, I, and I, not 100% that it was significantly higher, but I knew there's a lot more players that I didn't care anything about. So that was kind of part of it. But historically yeah the first year for some reason they seem to get the most interest which i guess it makes sense it sets the precedent like you think of prism i wrote down like optic i think the pmg ruby stuff like that i think the first year is always typically more desired is that correct you know that yeah yeah i mean PMG, I, think I, think for sure, but I don't know is there any other sets that you can think of too where that first year effect comes into play i couldn't think of any others when i was talking about it but one that i was i've been down the road with a few different sets one is that's another one. The one, the most similar to this one for me, I didn't get as far as you have gotten, but was the Contenders Cracked Ice 2012 first year. I'll, I'll um, be honest. That was a set I would was like mulling about too, thinking about just because it looks great, whatever, right? But I, I think that one, they don't pop up nearly as much, I don't think, even though they're numbered higher, which is, I don't know why that is. I, and I'll, I'll be completely transparent with everyone. I still have a Manning that isn't, PSA 10 that is sitting nice in my collection. Yeah. And I have the Andrew Luck rookie nine five. And I love these. I I love those cards so much, but it was, and this is I want to turn this back to you. It was getting to the point where there was somebody else doing it. And you're right. These cards don't pop up. And when the vets pop up, like I had a Gronk, I had a Randy Moss, I had the demand was so high and there was other people that were very interested in it that it is weird to think about your collection and collecting when someone comes at you aggressively wanting cards with really good offers and they're not of players that are your primary PC. Um, Now, if someone came at with me with an aggressive offer for my Peyton Manning or my Andrew Luck, good luck. Like those are my favorite players ever, but Randy Moss in a 49ers uniform, Gronk, like Joe Flacco, like Matt Ryan, uh, some of these players that I own that people really wanted. I started to think about, wow, like I could sell these cards and then I'd have a lot more money to take to the national. And there's deals that I'm trying to line up and those could help fund the deals. So then that's when I make the decision, okay, I'm going to stop this and I'm going to go back to focusing on my player collecting. So I'm curious has a card popped up where you've questioned you're like you know what like this card's really expensive but i've got all this equity built up in this do i break this up to go get this one card because this is my only chance has that thought crossed your mind and if so how do you think through that so the action has happened actually i'll share this it's a good learning lesson i think um 
So uh, a Brady, a 10 of this that I've never, ever seen. I think it's a pop one went to auction on PWCC maybe a month and a half ago, which I'm sure some are aware of who's listening or will follow that if you're a Brady collector. And I saw that and I was again with how the, I know a nine had in the past, I think done like 7,500 or something like that. It's still very, very expensive, right? But something that, you know, I think I could sell enough cards to get up to that. And so, but the 10 came up and I was like, well, with how the market is, you just really never know on some of these cards. That could be a $30,000 card. That could be a $10,000. I don't know. I really don't know. So I had like, I think I saw it right when it got posted to PWCC. So yeah, I had like two weeks basically. And I spent a full day. I, I thankfully didn't have much going on for work, apparently. Right. Um, but I had a, I spent a full day just looking through everything and saying, if I have the shot at this, like what can go? Like, what do I have? Like specifically, I looked at, unfortunately, Peyton Manning. I said, what do I have that I have seen come up like three, four or five times in the last year? Like, okay, this, I know there's sets. I'll just spit out some sets that I love the look of, but I know I can go get again is like that 2003 Topps Chrome Gold X Fractor. It's one out of 101. I'm, I'm sure I bet you have one. I'm sure mm-hmm. great looking card, but I knew, okay, if I just let it go now, I can yeah. just buy it again next year if I want to, right? It's not the easiest to find by any means. I'm not knocking the card, but I, it was, I needed to make those decisions of what can I sell. Mm-hmm. And number one thing is okay with losing some money on because some of these likely, you know, again, I was super excited, you know, probably paying pretty strong on a lot of things. Um, so I went across and I ended up selling a lot of cards, like, again, not like 50, but like probably like 10, where it felt like, okay, this gives me a decent buffer to where if I did get a shot at this, I can go for it and sell some more after auction did not work out. I kind of had um, a hope that maybe it would lead to even if I lost, you know, lost it or other people around lost it, that it would lead to another maybe a nine would pop up if the sale was strong, um, never ended up happening. And then, so what was really cool about this, and again, it kind of ties a lot of our discussion was now had some funds and uh, Peyton PMG popped up from 1999 Precious Metal Gems. And I'm like, or sorry, Metal Universe. And I'm like, oh man, I would never, ever be able to just snap my finger and grab that. But then I looked at what I had just sold and I looked at what I you know had sitting here and it was like, this has just dropped into my lap. I have to go buy this. And then um, again, it worked out. And thanks to some of the guys I chat with online and our, we have a nineties chat, they posted it and we're like, you got to get this blah, blah, blah. And then they kind of talked me into it. But what well, the funny part about what I'm getting at here is we talked about the player collecting versus the set collecting. And this is an example where you're trying to fund your set collecting doesn't work out, but then you turn around and say, wait, I just turned 10 bait Mannings into one. I really, really never expected to own or afford. Wow. This is pretty cool. So that was just a fun story I had to share. And that kind of tied to your question there. Yeah, congrats on the Manning. Amazing card. And if I would have seen it, I would have smashed Ben, if that made you feel. Yeah, it was weird because like these sets, like there are certain sets where you just every every time they sell, it's just slightly higher. And that's not to hype anything up. It's just truly every time like you can't expect to go and find some sets at a national and not see them 100 percent overpriced. Right. That's just how a lot of these are. So to find one just sitting on eBay at a price that was pretty reasonable, it's just one of those that stops you in your tracks for sure. Because again, where do you find another one? That's always the hard part on a lot of these. What what did the uh, Brady end up go- selling oh, for? I think like seventeen five, wow. something like that, which is quite a bit. But it's interesting because like for Brady, again, I don't know what the takeaway is from this, but I think his twenty twelve Prism Gold, I, I could be totally wrong. I think it was like one hundred and fifty. And then the select was seventeen five, or something like that. Again, I could seems be like a bit. deal. Yeah, it's well, it's number one. It seems like a deal, but then also it's interesting to me. The biggest thing to me was it's interesting that for 
Brady, it's a 10 X different, but then like, I know again, like Manning, just based on my knowledge of what I guess yourself, I have paid <laughs> for mine, what I paid for my 2012 prism. It's not that it's not 10 X. So it's just, again, I, I haven't fully grasped what the takeaway is there, but it's interesting on a super high end market of a really high end player, how the best of the best set is 10 X that maybe second type tier set versus other players. It might only be three or four X difference or not even that much. It's just kind of interesting. Did you think about breaking up your select set when you're preparing oh, for this Brady at all? That's a good question. I, I did not. And then I guess the biggest thing, and this is a good conversation with this too, is a lot of times I feel it's very important your relationship with other people. And um, I know for me, at least if I were to break up this set, I would be selling some that people were willing to sell to me knowing it was going to a set. You know, again, I likely on a lot of these, I played, paid the best that's ever been paid or highest that's ever been paid for a lot of these, but I knew the deal, probably the icing on the cake a little bit was knowing I wasn't going to turn around and sell it. That's not what my interest is with this at all. And so I, I didn't actually consider it. I just strictly because a lot of these again came from, you know, other people. And also there's some utility in the fact of finding, like if I were to sell 30 to get the one, finding those 30 again, the utility there, that's, that's lost for sure that some of these might be gone. So it's, it's hard. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but thinking about other select sets, you've talked about this uh, set and how there's not levels and it's just kind of pretty straightforward. And as you evolve, you know, over the years, not in 14, but as you kind of, and there 15 is a sleeper year and you get into 16 Selects has just been a mainstay, and I feel like in this breaking era, the manufacturer has done whatever it can to create as many levels and create as many parallels and create as many one-of-ones as possible. I don't know. Like, I still like Select, you know, as, you know, you keep moving the clock. Uh, maybe I don't like it as much as 2013 Select, but uh, how do you think about just the Select brand in terms of sports cards, you know? outside of this set specifically. Yeah, I think um the way I have thought about this and this is just the metaphor I have in my head is to me prisms the tops chrome it's the one everybody knows the one everyone looks for. Uh to me I I I like select more uh just from looks wise like I've just said obviously I collected a little more. Um but I I think it ties closer to like a tops finest where they're both traditionally were kind of I, my understanding is that finest was the more print premier set. They were more expensive. They were all that people saw at the hobby shop but couldn't buy. I believe Again, I don't know for sure, but I believe Select was the same early on. And then it led to some interesting things, decisions later on, like I think of with Finest as well, for where they started adding all these parallels, like Finest, like 2013 through 2015, they like doubled the print run on the goals. They added all these parallels. And then the same thing ended up happening with Select, where you had this nice run from like 13, 14, and then 16 was pretty cool. They have one thing I've seen there is they have really nice looking um, college jersey cards for some players so like russell wilson has a mm. gold prism and a wisconsin jersey it's just like well with like kind of random but really cool they're doing some innovation then um again 17 i think of where you obviously start getting those field levels was also in 16 but you have the really nice looking gold like field level and then at some point panini said you know what screw this flagship <laughs> product we're gonna throw it in in every walmart you know target everywhere and nobody wants this because it's overpriced <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. So it's interesting. Like, I don't know, I guess with any set, it's kind of interesting. You think of like, how is it, how are things viewed now versus how might they view, be viewed in 10, 20 years, not to like speculate too much. Right. But it's, I always think back to like, to me, what I remember about sets are the early years, like for finest, that's what I find the most interesting and the most innovation, the coolest. 
I can overlook the fact that the later years were kind of got junky. And I feel the same about Select, where I'm a big fan. I like the early ones. Again, I don't believe ever Prism's going to be like, it should always be probably more desired, right? But I just think to me, it's really a neat set. And I can overlook the fact that later on, they kind of torch the product and it it has a bad name at this point, right? I think pretty traditionally, it's just kind of junky, but um, that's my, my opinion on it. I just, I find it kind of ironic how it's called select and then they decided to take select and go mainstream with it and throw it into the wall bars. But when I think about it, obviously I think about 13. I also like, I think like 14 is that it's like, I love it's clean. I just love the look. And, and there's only one level in that one too, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yep. So, it does. and then I like, like I have a, a black one of one luck from 16. Just, I love the image. Uh, but when I, the other, like going later, like if you're looking for something really nice and select, like those gold field levels from 17 are mm-hmm. out- outstanding. And what sucks is like, it's post playing day for Manning. He's got, I think a Broncos and a Colts card. In those, but if you collect a guy who is in 17 basketball, football, whatever, like those cards, I don't know, it's the checkerboard, like they're pretty money. Yeah, they're, they're very, yeah, very good looking and pretty affordable. A lot of this, that's what's cool. Again, like I mentioned earlier, if you're hearing any of this, it's just be creative. Like there's all these sets out there that the mainstream does not talk about that you don't have to talk about, but you can go collect that's budget friendly. It doesn't have to be the mainstream set grabbing some random parallel that you don't give a crap about. Instead, look at some different years, maybe where are players you like and that sort of thing. You never know what you can find. Absolutely. Let's close this out. I'd love to hear maybe like, and maybe this comes way of story, maybe not, but some of the pickups you've had along the way and any stories uh, that you have associated them with them. So what's, what stands out in your mind? Sure. I'll, I'll do a Mount Rushmore approach. How about that? There we go. Yeah. yeah. So, so Carlson cards podcast is on hiatus because he's taking care of his kid. So we're going to bring Mount Rushmore to stacking slabs and we're going to have the host of Carlson cards, give his Mount Rushmore. Yeah. There we go. Of select gold 2013. Go. Yeah. And side note, hoping to get back uh, soon here, like next month or two, hopefully, but yeah, baby comes first. So I would say uh, my Mount Rushmore, if I had to pick it, my number one, uh, we'll start with number one is like, I have a Kelvin Johnson PSA 10 select gold. That is like, to me, outside of, again, maybe Peyton Manning, who I is like my main uh, personal collection player. Um, he's the guy that just absolutely loved the entire career. Great player, great human being in general. I mean, just a guy that um, when I think of nostalgic players, he's always number one to me. He's always number one. That's the guy I keep him back to. He was not even on the team. He was in a division rival, um, but that's the player that I always come back to. Um, and so that one was acquired uh, with the help of Zanu 23 Sports Cards, who's been on the podcast. And that was after, at the National after I left. It was at a table all week, and I had never seen it. And he spotted it and picked it up for me. Um, obviously, again, it was an example where I probably paid a pretty high price, but you know, thankfully graded well, and I'll be keeping it, so I don't really care. But um, just shout out to him for that one. And that so you one, bought it raw? Yeah, at the show. How great yeah. is how great is well, buying up twenty thirteen yeah. raw and gimming it? How great is I know, that? I know, I know. Yeah, and that's what's <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting when they're kept well in good condition. Nothing really right, and as long as the kid's not flinging it around or something. A lot of these older cards you can still get good grades on. Um, but so that's that's probably number one. Uh, number two would be Peyton Manning. Uh, so that one was from Adam McNanny, who again has been on your podcast, has been on mine. Both of those guys have. Um, and this was an example of a card where. Um, I approached him, uh, I think a few times. And then at some point he came back around and kind of mentioned he was maybe going to bring it to a card show. Did I still want it? 
and I just pulled the trigger. It's a PSA eight. I didn't really care about the grade just because I knew where at the time, I think four of them were, this is the one where I know the most where they are. Um, and I knew with only six available, probably a few are lost to history. I mean, that's just how these sets go. Um, if I wanted that one, I was probably gonna have to do something, um, you know, pay more than I wanted. And so I grabbed that one and uh, that's an example where I have not regretted it. That's just a card. That's great. Looks like an amazing top PC player. probably number two, three shiny Peyton card. I have besides 2012 prism gold. And then, um, of course my 2002 finest, that's my baby, but yeah, that's number two. And then three, interestingly, like I mentioned is the Travis Kelsey. So I don't do the rookie set because I don't care about the players player. I really, um, have enjoyed watching and it's actually the only card I think I own. Um, maybe there's like two or three in the set. I apologize, but like two or three in the set. I own of an active player. Everything else in my collection is not an active player. Um, but Kelsey Davi's still playing, had a good game this weekend. I, I, I don't, like owning active players just in the sense of you have to pay attention and care how they do. But Kelsey was the guy where when I saw it on eBay as a BGS nine, I was like, his legacy is established enough where I'm confident that if I buy that, I'm not going to lose my ASS on this um, <laughs> to be frank. Uh, so that was probably been number three in the set. And that one, again, just great looking. I think his, I think best looking rookie card, he's got a tops Chrome and like a under armor practice Jersey. Yeah. And then Prism's pretty neat too, but that was just a common sense thing. I looked at what the tops chromes were doing, and then this was just sitting here for like two days. And I was like, this price doesn't really make sense. I'm just going to grab it and hold on to it. So, um, then final one, I would say it's a t- bit of a toss up, but I actually went with the Bart Star. So, I have a Bart Star PSA 10, and that came from the National as well. And that one, I got to say, is just really cool because I never, ever would have imagined owning a Bart Star card. Why would I? I don't collect vintage. I don't, you know, it's just not what I have interest in at the moment. Um, so to own a Bart star card with the gold on gold with the Packers, you know, you got the nostalgia of the player, learn more about him just through owning the card. You end up wanting to watch highlights and stuff like that. Just part of owning cards. I really enjoy And the best part about that is I have the Brett Favre and then eventually hopefully have an Aaron Rodgers. You can have all three of the greatest QBs we've ever had. Maybe Jordan Love one day. I don't know, but uh, that would be my Mount Rushmore here for that set. Final, final, but uh, what is a card that you've picked up, not on your Mount Rushmore? It might not be like a Hall of Fame player, or maybe borderline, but when you got it in the mail, based on the nostalgia factor, you're like, man, this, this, I'm really glad that this card ended up in my collection. Was there any card or specific player that comes to mind? It's probably Russell Wilson, which is funny enough, but I, it's a, another example of, I would just never think to collect him. I just really wouldn't because I think he's, he's, I always just think, that, okay, the player's active. He's probably got some hype built in because they might think he goes, another team, whatever. So I always try to avoid that. Um, but I was able to get one off of eBay and I got that in and it was like, just felt right. Cause he, he went to Wisconsin as did I, and to just have at least one card of a player like that, where, you know, you have some ties to maybe, um, something in your life and a player that you enjoyed watching, even though the mainstream doesn't like him. Um, I got it and I was like, okay, this is freaking awesome. A second year Wilson, just gold. This looks really cool. That's probably one that comes to mind from fairly recent. We went, broadway on this um this was a ton of fun if you have 2013 select golds i'll be austin's hype man <laughs> slide into his dms i know he's looking so uh this was really fun i think we ne- hit some different topics one that i'll definitely remember is navigating the player collecting with the set collecting and just interacting with other members of the community austin thanks so much for coming back on this is fun and we'll certainly do it again i appreciate it can't wait thanks brett Really enjoyed Austin's thoughts, enjoyed his set build and the stories he had to share. If you got 2013 select golds that you're looking to offload, check with my man Austin. He might need them for that set. 
Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back. More stacking slabs on the other side. Peace.